The CDC defines a face mask as a loose-fitting, disposable device, one that creates a physical barrier between your mouth and nose and potential contaminants nearby. Regular face masks do not seal around your mouth. They are supposed to be thrown out after every use. They might block out large particle droplets, splashes, or germ-full splatter. But definitionally, face masks don't block everything. Even still, they're the first line of defense for doctors and nurses, the people who are on the front lines of New York's response to COVID-19. I'm Mark Chisano from Newsday Opinion, and this is episode four of Life Under Coronavirus, about how Long Islanders are being hit by the disease and trying to help each other. One big way is that they're trying to source masks. That includes the heavy-duty N95 masks that do seal around your mouth and offer better protection, but also those regular face masks we've been talking about, the ones you're seeing on the street. Governor Andrew Cuomo says that New York's hospitals have the protective equipment they need for the, quote, immediate future, but plenty of healthcare workers are reporting shortages already, and they fear more to come. So Long Islanders are stepping up. One example is the Long Island Chinese American Association, which raised money and did its own shopping, and ended up giving 10,000 face masks and 1,000 of the specialized N95 masks to Mount Sinai, South Nassau. And that was just the beginning. The problem, though, is that not everyone can buy masks in bulk. So some Long Islanders are just making them. The company is The Finishing Touch. We're based out of Hicksville, New York. Uh, we do luxury linen. My name is Marianne Doyle. I'm the owner of the company. This is Marianne Doyle, who's turned her company into one of those makers. Usually, the finishing touch is making sure people's parties have all the linens they need. Weddings, bar mitzvahs, sweet 16s. We do a very large amount of corporate events in Manhattan. Uh, it could be anything, you know, backyard party, 50th birthday, any, any type of party we do. That all screeched to a halt with coronavirus. She says they have no revenue coming in. This is, yeah, this is, this is unprecedented. She says they were able to work through Superstorm Sandy, even 9-11. I remember it was a lot of patriotism, you know, New Year's Eve, where we did tablecloths that had flags on them. A lot of people are very patriotic after 9-11. But the party still went on, you know, and some people felt like we still have to celebrate. You know, even though it was such a tragedy, uh, you know, it's people, you know, you kind of have to move on a little bit. So, But with this, it's kind of, you can't move on yet. You know, we will. I, I know as a society, we will all move on. We'll get past this, but it's just, we got to wait it out. While she's waiting it out, Doyle reconfigured her Hicksville warehouse to make masks. We have a cutting table, so the pattern, the, the, the size of the mask is cut. Then it goes, and then we... How do you um, cut it? Is it literally like scissors, or is it... Yeah, uh, we're using scissors. Um, we're not at the point. I do have, um, you know, electric cutters, but right now we're cutting, because, again, we were just figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And then um, we pin it. We pin in the uh, elastic that wraps around, and then the sewer, the sewers, I should say, will take it. They put it together. We turn them inside out. Then we pin them to pleat them, and then we, um, you know, sew the pleats in, and it's done. The masks are made of cotton. They yes for cotton. They want 100% cotton. You know, you, you, it needs to be a little bit breathable. So, you know, you can't use polyester or anything heavy because they won't be able to breathe through it. So it's pretty much just 100% cotton. She said the company churned out about 100 on the first day, and then that would speed up. The who of who's churning out the masks is important here. It's around eight of her employees, none of whom were being paid. Doyle says she had to lay everyone off given the lack of revenue. She says she plans to hire them back, and she's not earning any money now either. But for now, 
they're all making masks for free. They're all coming in. I have a great team. They're all coming in and doing it on their own time, and they're donating their time to make these masks. And they're, you know, they're all on unemployment. I had to let everybody go. We have no parties coming in, so... Doyle says she'd like to get a contract with the state to actually get paid for masks, though that's complicated given how many offers the state is juggling. So her staff is donating the masks to places that need them. One such place is the Park Avenue Extended Care Facility in Long Beach. The facility told us they received a shipment of donated masks from the Linen Company this week. One thing you should know about the jury-rigged or homemade face masks is that they can't do everything. Some healthcare workers are talking about using homemade masks as a sort of extra layer. The CDC's guidance says that homemade masks, including a bandana or scarf, should be used as a last resort, and ideally in combination with a face shield. Christine Bronze of Rocky Point is well aware of the limits. How long were you a nurse for? Um, 35 years. Oh man, long time. Long time. <laughs> She's retired now, but she said she used to work at Mather Hospital in Port Jefferson. About those masks. It's a pain in the neck. <laughs> you know, once it gets a little damp, it's really no longer effective. It's not a great barrier. She used to work in ambulatory surgery, prepping patients, and wasn't always masked up. But she said it's not the best experience. I guess you get used to it after you're wearing it. I'm not particularly fond of them, but... If you have to, you have to. Still, the importance of the masks is clear. She remembers prepping for infectious diseases when she was still working. I remember Ebola was a big deal. So we would have to triage the patients as they came in to make sure they didn't have any exposure to any to Ebola, especially, or any other communicable diseases. We did not have any patients, but I think at the time it was concerning. Then and now, you need masks. It protects the person wearing the mask um, and protects the, the person that you're taking care of. So if, you have, if we would have anybody um, come in, I guess this would even mostly pertain to the emergency room with a possible TB, they would put mask on that patient so they do not pass anything to any of the healthcare workers. Oh, wow. um, as a healthcare provider, especially like in the operating room, you wear that to keep the patient safe, so you're not passing anything. Bronze isn't in a hospital anymore. She's retired, big family. Oh, yes, I have 10 grandkids and four kids. That's a couple. So. That's a few. <laughs> That's a few. Yeah, keeps you busy. <laughs> but given coronavirus, she was worried about people who don't have masks on the job. What? concerned me a lot were our everyday people in the community that went to work to keep our businesses open, especially the people at, say, Stop and Shop or Walmart or, you know, anybody that is not involved with health care and wouldn't necessarily have access to a mask. Um I, or my husband also uh, went into the post office one day and they were very concerned because they had no protective gear. So she took matters into her own hands. We decided to get on the, the front line, so to speak, and see what we could do to help. And Bronze was able to do that because in her other life, aside from nursing, she's a quilter. 
And her house is a stockpile of material. I'm a quilter, so I don't think um, I could use all the material if I had three lifetimes. <laughs> I have a sewing room that is loaded from top to bottom. Bronze said she got on the... Wonderful YouTube. ...to see how to make masks, and it was off to the races. You cut two pieces of um, quality cotton material, like a six by nine, and then I, I'm using an interfacing, which is like a six by nine, a little bit of a mesh fabric, hmm. and sewing them together, and then um, I'm pleating, doing three pleats on the saw each side, and then adding elastic so it could go around the back of the ears when they, they put them on. It's by no means an N95 mask, but it provides something better than nothing. It's painstaking work. She's making around two an hour. I started probably at about 10.30, and I just stopped, and I think I made a dozen. But they're nice-looking masks. Oh, gosh, they're varied. I have so much material that uh, <laughs> they're all different pattern. I have ladybugs. I have um, Paddington bear. I have florals. A um, whole lot of different, different styles. Moral of the story? They are definitely not boring masks. <laughs> <laughs> Bronze advertised her services on the neighborhood website next door and said she was hoping it would get out by word of mouth. It has. We talked to a semi-retired construction worker who didn't want his name to be used, but he said he was concerned about his son and daughter-in-law. Both of them are in the medical field, and he wanted them to have enough masks. He said that he rooted around in his truck and found a few old masks there. It was like gold, he said. That's how his daughter-in-law reacted. It's the kind of thing that breaks your heart, and so this father went hunting for as many masks as he could find. In calling an insulation company he used to deal with, he heard Bronze's name. So he drove over and she gave him a couple from her small but growing supply. Bronze is a realist. She's just doing what she can. I'm sure this is going to get worse before it gets better and there'll be greater need. So I'm just going to keep sewing and hopefully my... My son-in-law is a nurse at Stony Brook, so I'm going to check in with him and see how they're doing there. Yeah. Do you worry about him? Is there, are you concerned about Oh, sure. I, yeah. I worry about us everyday people, too. And healthcare workers in particular. You know, they're really on the line, and they're amazing. Thanks for listening to Life Under Coronavirus. If you know of someone we should be covering or you want to share your own experience about coronavirus in New York, leave us a voicemail with your name and phone number at 631-213-1543. That's 631-213-1543 with your message to the Opinion Department's Life Under Coronavirus podcast. We may use your message as the basis for a future episode. Amanda Ficina is our producer. And once again, I'm Mark Chisano from Newsday Opinion. Stay healthy. See you next time.